Stop me if you've heard this before. Harry's in a secret chamber deep underneath Hogwarts by himself squaring off against Voldemort at the end of a school year. It's almost like we've read this before. Either way, it's the main climax of Chamber of Secrets, and to help me through it, I've brought back our friend Sarah from First Years. As always, thanks for listening to Belated Binge Harry Potter, the Harry Potter podcast that doesn't take itself or the books too seriously. I'm Zach, and I'm the guy who didn't read these books until my mid-twenties and can't stop talking about them, hence the podcast. And this chapter is bonkers. There's human possession, lots of blood, near murder, magical beasts, and Harry does a lot of stabbing. You know, all the things you expect out of a book written for children. Let's get into it. The Belated Binge Podcast. Today, we continue the reread of Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets with Chapter 17, The Heir of Slytherin. Before we get into anything, every episode of this podcast will have spoilers, and every episode of this podcast could also have adult language. Shout out to our free elf patrons, Alex Swetlin and Hottest Navoni. If you'll indulge me for just a second, I absolutely love what's been happening on Patreon. I've done so many bonus episodes of my Behind the Mic series where I literally just pull out my phone or some other form of recording and talk Harry Potter topics during my everyday life. And one recent one was a direct response to Alex's questions that she sent me in a message on Patreon. I honestly can't wait to do more of those. Uh, So one thing that you're going to get as a free elf patron and above tiers is literally personalized bonus episodes where you send me a topic, question, theory, whatever, and I'll do a behind-the-scenes style bonus episode from that. You can even set it up so your bonus episodes go right into your podcast listening app, depending on which one you use. Spotify doesn't integrate, but it definitely works on Apple Podcasts. I have done it personally, uh, and a lot of the other ones. There's a link in the description of this episode to patreon.com slash belated binge if you have any interest in anything I just said, plus other benefits. That aside, making even more history on belated binge. We have our first ever repeat guest to come on two episodes in a row. You heard her help me break down chapters 14 and 15 of Sorcerer's Stone and cover our most recent chapter episode of Chamber of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets. It is the host of First Year's The Harry Potter Podcast for the adult first-time reader. Sarah, you are practically a co-host at this point. Unofficial (laughs) co-host. Yes. I love all the history we're making today. We are. It's incredible. I can't think of a better co-host for all of this history to be made. (laughs) Thank you. Flattery gets you everywhere. We learned that in the last chapter. Big facts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we've, it's been pretty well established on the podcast that you are absolutely a Slytherin, but here's what I don't remember. Did we ever do like your Harry Potter history like your harry potter story how you got into the series i don't remember i could go over it quickly with you though um i genuinely don't remember a time before i knew what harry potter was (laughs) i definitely Um, thought you were gonna say i genuinely don't remember so we can move on (laughs) i mean i i don't really like i know it was an elementary school and i know i was also late to the game um I remember reading prisoner of azkaban when i was in third grade which was probably like 2002 2002 Three. And I don't remember reading 
Sorcerer's Stone, but I do remember seeing Chamber of Secrets in theaters. And it has literally been my life ever since because here we are at almost 28 and have a Harry Potter podcast so I can just continue to talk about Harry Potter all the time because nothing makes me happier. (laughs) All the time. All the time. And you want to talk about being late to the game? Maybe don't read them till you're 25. (laughs) Try that one on for size. (laughs) Oh, alas. Okay, so... In case you're, that was actually, that was very fast. That might be the quickest we ever got through a, a Harry Potter story on this podcast. <laughs> Maybe trim some facts in the middle, that just dragging along. I should just add and some, you know. Just fabricate it, like <laughs> Lockhart. Like, just put yourself yep. in somebody else's story. Uh, anyway, in case you were obliviated or you got your Hogwarts letter late, let's shove our faces in that white liquidy substance of our pensive. I know, I, I just, what do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Hermione solved the vastless mystery while unconscious. Harry put the rest of the pieces together to figure out where the entrance to the Chamber of Secrets is. Ginny got drugged down the chamber, and instead of telling Professor McGonagall what they knew, Harry and Ron decided to go find, of all people, Lockhart, who's trying to run away, and Harry disarms him before being obliviated. Short book series. Uh, Again, instead of going to McGonagall after that, they went toward the Chamber of Secrets with Lockhart as a hostage. After talking to Myrtle and doing some hissing, Harry found the entrance. Everyone went down a giant water-disgusting tunnel under the school. Any of this sounding familiar at all? Like, maybe it's the exact same thing as the first book, but just with different, uh, different... No? Just me? Okay. Um, Lockhart tries again to obliviate two 12-year-olds. This time he uses Ron's broken wand and ends up exploding the entire tunnel. Separated from the other two, Harry goes on to find the Chamber of Secrets and try to save Ginny, and Ron kicks Lockhart in the shins. Now (laughs) we shall dive into the events of today's chapter with our opening reading. Sarah, if you would please. I shall. He was standing at the end of a very long, dimly lit chamber. Towering stone pillars entwined with more carved serpents rose to support a ceiling lost in darkness, casting long black shadows through the odd greenish gloom that filled the place. chapter. <laughs> We've reached a point where our wands connect, not the tips, just the streams, so we can recap what went down in the chapter that we just read, chapter 17 of... Chamber of Secrets, the heir of Slytherin, starts exactly where we left off with Harry standing in the opening of the Chamber of Secrets. And he's like doing this thing where he's like squinting his eyes as he tries to like fumble his way (laughs) through this thing (laughs) just to make sure uh, that he can shut them at any point Um, because he's literally trying not to run into the scariest magical monster on this fictional version of our planet in search of Ginny Weasley. Here's the deal. Um, I've heard people talk about this, so now I, I just want your opinion. So far, the victims were all petrified instead of being killed. And the reason is because they met the basilisk's eyes through something else. Water, a mirror, a ghost. It's been said that if Harry looked into the basilisk's eyes through his glasses, would he only be petrified or would he actually die? Are the glasses enough? Such a good question. I know. Um, I totally heard it somewhere else. It's not mine. That's why it's so good. Well, because I like my instinct is to say no, because then why if like 
I feel like someone should have figured that out by now. And then everyone should have just like worn glasses like in Hogwarts <laughs> to be like totally safe. It would be the new fashion trend. Hipsters. I don't know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Do you remember the glasses that don't <laughs> yeah. actually? Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's sweeping um... Hogwarts. Sorry. <laughs> Please continue with something smart. <laughs> no, but like if, if, a, if you can see the basilisk through a ghost and survive, then I don't see why glasses wouldn't work because it's kind of the same thing yeah yeah it's it's almost like nobody knows that this is a basilisk or if they do they already wear glasses that are shaped in a half moon and don't give a shit that (laughs) it's a basilisk someone is like i'll be fine whatever yeah i'll just look through my yeah the bi what are the bifocals is that is that the correct yeah the ones that are down (sighs) ah i love dumbledore I do. I just love talking about Dumbledore. He's the most fascinating character. There's just character so much to talk about. <laughs> there is. He's the most fascinating character to just talk about. Whether you love yeah. him or hate him, there's so much joy in it. So uh, except much. people get really, people get kind of upset sometimes in the fandom when you talk about certain characters. Dumbledore's really not one of them unless they hate him. The people who mm-hmm. hate Dumbledore get really like into it. But don't say anything bad about Snape or Draco online. Someone will get you. You will yeah. get got. Um, I'm fairly certain that's why this podcast hasn't gone viral because I've been canceled by Snape and Draco truthers already. <laughs> There's no hope. I've already, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm only in book two, and this this podcast is destined to to just be canceled. <laughs> Alas, either way, petrified in the middle of the Chamber of Secrets and fully alive, Tom Riddle is a dead Harry. So he's still yeah. got to not get got. So yep. he's trying not to get dead either way. He comes upon a statue, a statue of Salazar Slytherin, which is described as monkey-like, which is a strange description. I caught that detail too, and it made me very uncomfortable. It did. It was weird. I'm like, what are we insinuating with that? I don't, Yeah. I don't even and, want to. Yeah, no, I don't either. And it, I also am just very confused as to like the proportions of this statue because like I'm picturing like like it's his full body. Right? Yeah, because it says it has feet at the bottom. Yeah. But then the basilisk seems to like live in that statue and like come out Can of it. Sleep in it or something? I guess. I feel like this is like where the movie made a great change and it's just his face yeah like against the wall and it makes more sense for like it that's just like an entryway for the basilisk to like enter into the room. chamber of secrets from wherever right like yeah. it made more sense proportionally for it to just be like his face versus this like giant statue <laughs> that the basilisk which is like a giant snake so it has to be like wide enough for the snake to fit in there i'm i'm just endlessly confused about yeah it what it, it like how that works i don't understand and i guess maybe we could get to because now i'm stuck on monkeyish um maybe we get there because he was like totally a pure blood loyalist and that's just like he's kind of like the gaunts just so much inbreeding gets you to be a could little be. squatty faced <laughs> could be could be yeah or maybe the statue's just throwing his own shit i don't know i don't know either way this statue exists in the chamber of secrets that was a secret that Slytherin built himself. Yeah. 
He's <laughs> like, here, let me just build a statue to myself. In this room that nobody else is going to be. Of myself to myself. Yeah, that's self-love. That is self-love. <laughs> that, is, that is a person who does not feel as though he needs a therapist. Very yeah. humble guy. <laughs> Very humble guy. So as a proud Slytherin, now I have to ask you, how many statues of yourself do you have around your house? Um, only five. Okay. So like every room, basically. Yeah. Every room you spend time in. And they're, they're not nearly as big, but, you know, I'm working on building my own Chamber of Secrets where I can make a giant one. Alas, very, very yeah. good. I, I quite like it. Actually, here's the real hard-hitting question. Are they in the rooms that you spend the most time in or the ones where your guests spend the most time in? <laughs> Definitely where my guests spend the most time. Yes. Yes. I'm just, it's actually on the ceiling above the guest bed. Yeah, is just... where my statue <laughs> resides of myself. <laughs> oh, I can't. I just can't. Anyways, uh, so then he sees Ginny just kind of like sprawled out on the ground, and he's he's shaking her like you did when your friend drank too much at this party and passed out when you weren't supposed to be there in the first place, <laughs> and like they were even your ride home. Like he's panicking. Yeah. Oh, no. Although. Please don't drive in this no. state. You either, Jenny. You're too young. No driving, no broomsticks, no, no. evaporating no. while under the influence. Correct. Exactly. Wait a minute. Hang on. Could there possibly be anything more fun than apparating under the influence? <laughs> Not if you leave like your entire like half of your body behind. Ah, yeah. There's that wrinkle, isn't there? I'm imagining <laughs> just like, what do you get flu powder? I feel like anyone who flu powders while they're drunk is just vomiting everywhere. But like in some random person's living room because they totally got yeah, off the wrong grade. Absolutely. And now there's a new Marauders fan fiction and headcanon of what they enjoyed doing on the weekends. <laughs> just getting tanked. Yeah. And take a bunch of shots and see if they end up in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. All right. So you're going to write that now, right? Absolutely. It can't be me. It can't be me. I'm not. I'm not a writer. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> I'm not a writer. So here it comes. She won't wake. Goosebumps. Who else is in this dungeon of terror, you might ask? Memory. The one, the only. <laughs> oh my gosh. Memory Tom Riddle is here. And from this moment, right now, for the next, I can't even tell you how many pages. Harry is a dumbass 12-year-old <laughs> and very, very slow to pick up on what's being put down. Mm -hmm. It starts with Tom plot-splaining to Harry that Ginny's barely alive and that he himself is a memory that has been preserved in a diary for 50 years. And Harry, as you do, starts trying to get Tom to help him save Ginny. <laughs> He doesn't even have his own wand, and when he sees Tom holding it, he reaches out like, thanks, bro, can I have it back, please? <laughs> oh, innocent Harry. Uh, and he still hasn't caught on when Tom doesn't give him his wand back and is, like, staring at him all creepy like a serial killer, as if maybe he is. Uh, <laughs> the next thing we go is, like, come on, man, like, there's a giant killer snake that's going to come. We all got to get out of here. And, of course... Still slow, and Tom's like, it, it's not going to come until it's called. Like some really well-trained golden retriever. Then we get Tom just being weird and creepy, because 
it's Tom Riddle. I've been waiting a long time to talk to you, Harry Potter. And Harry's like, dude, we're in the middle of the Chamber <laughs> of Fucking Secrets. We can talk later. And it's like, oh, please, please. All of the red flags that he's just <laughs> missing. Can you come to reality? <laughs> Catch up, Harry. Come on. Are we reading the same book? <laughs> Again, Harry, very average guy. Like, <laughs> this is this is not average. This is <laughs> dumb. This is, this is also though like we spoke last episode about how Harry has great instincts. His instincts fail him in this moment. <laughs> oh my gosh, he also has trusting instincts. I guess at yeah. this point, and I don't. I wow. Yeah, and and maybe that speaks to Tom Riddle's undeniable charm that we see in action in Mm -hmm. this chapter Um, because Ginny also very much trusts Tom Riddle when he's just writing back to her in this diary and you know shows Harry the flashback um, gains both Harry's trust and Ginny's trust and we see very much that like you know people have like have said that like Tom Riddle is very charming and we see we see that he like when he knows something is going to give him an advantage. He's very patient. Mm-hmm. He like he's willing to put up with the internal monologue of an 11-year-old <laughs> and like you know be caring and you know calm and I think I think that side of him is why Harry's instincts don't fully warn him about this (laughs) right away like they should yeah and it's going back to when harry got the diary i theorized um this and i hadn't thought about it until this very moment i theorized that the way that it was described harry was talking about the diary as if it was like some kind of weird kinship that he almost like a like a long lost friend that he didn't remember he had kind of thing from childhood Mm mm-hmm and I, th- I theorized then or suggested that that was kind of two things. One, the diary doing what the diary does. Because like you said, Tom Riddle, very, very charming, very manipulative. And this is, this is kind of like what, what coaxes Ginny into trusting it in the first place. So it's not all Harry here. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's probably some kind of aura around this diary of like, make whoever's close feel you know some sort of like connection and trust to this book to get them to use it Um, yes but then also it's perhaps more intense for harry because it's two horcruxes Mm -hmm. like within inches of each other yeah and i wonder if in this moment there's not a little bit of that like inherent trusting of tom riddle yeah that could be Partially because there's a little bit of um, like familiarity there from the uh, the memory that Tom Riddle showed Harry, so he mm-hmm. recognizes him and thinks of him yeah. more in that like Hogwarts prefect kind of a thing, and not mm-hmm. the bad guy, but also like it's two Horcruxes right here. Yeah. And so the Horcrux inside of Harry absolutely trusts Tom Riddle because like they're pieces shards of the same dude so maybe harry's a little slow and uh hampered instinctually in this moment because of that 
perhaps i, I don't know i would definitely yeah no i would definitely buy that for sure i'm glad somebody does i'm not even sure i do um i'm wondering <laughs> if harry's just dumb in 12 but uh i mean he i mean i can both be true i feel like harry is dumb in 12 and that's probably also part of the reason why tom riddle's charm works on him so well right yes like yes i think both can yeah. absolutely yeah absolutely be true and then something happens in the text that makes me laugh <laughs> there's something funny going on here <laughs> gee you think harry <laughs> Harry, did you forget that you were Harry Potter and bad things happen at the end of school years for you? <laughs> yeah, like, okay. What are you doing here, weird memory Tom Riddle? I have to explain to you that this isn't the place that we should be. Your presence here isn't yes. already, like, something funny happening. No. Because hmm. yes. Harry hasn't seen the diary since it was stolen back. No. And here Tom Riddle is just casually Chilling. like hey harry what's up and he's just yeah. like hey tom how's it going and like knows meeting things. you here yeah and like knows what's going on more yeah. than harry does <laughs> For a lot more than wake harry. like his his intro the only more like creepy iconic voldemort like intro line in this series is can't i potter yep this thing started creepy <laughs> what do you mean just now something funny is happening here? Oh, yeah. So Harry asks how Ginny got, you know, all unconscious and whatnot. And here we go. Memory Tom gives all the plot explaining and all the real villain monologue. We had the Lockhart villain monologue mini version in the last chapter. Now we get, now we get the big one. <laughs> yeah. Now Tom Riddle's like, step aside. Okay. Because if anybody can give a dramatic villain monologue, it is, I am Lord Voldemort. Or, sorry, Voldemort, I think was how it's supposed, uh, back in the, whatever. Yeah, I, well. I honestly don't care. Not only is it a Voldemort villain monologue, which he specializes in throughout this series, this is dramatic teenage version of Voldemort. So if anyone can villain monologue, it's this dude. He explains how Ginny poured herself into the diary, making him stronger, how he possessed her to open the Chamber of Secrets, how how boring it was and annoying it was dealing with her, to your point earlier, uh, and how, Ginny. yeah, he's behind the whole thing. And did you, have you noticed, like, he even managed to, there's just constant giving Ginny shit about being into Harry Potter? Like, I'm like, and like just being an 11 year old like i felt so <sighs> bad for jenny in this chapter because like she it like we finally see how like absolutely tough it is for her like it's, mm -hmm. it has to be rough being the only girl in like a family of seven yeah and like she probably doesn't really have anyone to talk to like you know and like finally she like has this like diary and like you know tom's being very patient and like writing back to her and being supportive and she's just pouring her soul out and he's just like oh 11 year old girls, this, girl girls. Girl. like how Ugh. dare you like, <laughs> <laughs> oh i felt so bad well and it's the whole thing like at the burrow she's given shit for liking harry because she's been talking about him all summer with the valentine they draco is oh i didn't 
I don't think Potter liked your Valentine, Ginny. And now even Tom freaking Riddle, I don't think that Harry's gonna like me. And I'm like, give this girl a break. You know, so, she's 11. Jeez. Uh, anyway, along thing. the way, you know, Harry she just- She gets the, laugh, the last laugh in the end. It's fine. She does. She, she lands the, the heartthrob, or at least the chosen one, with no game whatsoever, if we can- <laughs> Let's let's be honest. If yeah, Ginny Ginny has the game in that relationship for sure. Oh, she she ends up being awesome, just like so awesome, and yeah. way out of Harry Potter's league <laughs> <laughs> because he has no like he has no charisma and no like <laughs> yo I don't know. Um, but I think between the two of them, I do think if in the series when it finally happens like i think they actually make a good ship together and i think that they could really make a really cool couple even though romantic relationships is easily the weakest written part of this series front to yeah, back i would agree yeah um i think the two from a character perspective if nothing else their like sarcastic sense of humor would make oh, for yeah hilarious fodder back and forth but oh yeah literally never ever get it you know i wish we um, could like i wish we could see more of that yeah we don't get like enough of like them like being together when like they finally decide to like be together i think it's a conscious effort like i think i think that's yeah. why ron and hermione takes so long i think that it was just flat out either it was recognition of a weakness or just a disinterest in like this while there are like relationship undertones throughout this whole thing and love is yeah. at the like center of this entire book series there just was a complete lack of like romantic storyline and like yeah. it's, i don't know if it's a choice because there wasn't interest in writing that maybe because they're kids like it wasn't comfortable like i don't know or I don't if know. i mean i feel like out, i can't write that <laughs> i, I suck feel like at harry it. and Cho got more screen time in this book series than like Ginny and Harry did when they finally start dating they did but I think it I think a lot of that is because it was like kind of going wrong <laughs> yeah yeah and like and I understand also like they kind of got together like as everything was like ramping up and like Harry was like I need to go on this yeah. mission to save the world but like I would have just liked you know well we have like a, a missing yeah, we have like a missing two weeks that you could have easily given us something out of yeah, it. Yeah, like give us just like them like hanging on the couch, just like yeah. actually having a conversation like as boyfriend and girlfriend. Like we never get that. Yeah, it yeah, I'm not I'm definitely not clamoring for like explicit writing in this like No. You know, but just like them being together in this new dynamic yeah. would have been like very nice. Yeah, and when they're like they're like sixteen and fifteen. Like it's not like they're yeah. eleven. They're no. going and doing things. There's some insinuation in there. Remember the like yeah. the uh, the tattoo joke? Mm -hmm. That suggests some things. Okay? Yes. Like they clearly have a rapport that has uh, events have taken place. Like you could have yep. given some. I don't know. Give them some time know, under the like, like the tree only, by like, the lake or something. Like I don't yeah, know. Like give the them only something. 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 Yeah. Like they literally like don't go on like any dates. Right. And then Harry like is like we have to break up because I'm gonna be in danger, and she's like, yeah, fuck that. Like, <laughs> right? That's the, that's the whole relationship arc. And then <laughs> like, there's like the there's the one scene where Ron barges in when they're we're right. not even gonna get into what was about to go down there. 
Um, yeah. But it's I like, just, yeah, I would have, I would have liked more quality time between right. them and had more of that established emotional connection. I agree. I'm going to have you. to Google some Harry Ginny fan fiction now to like, right, you know, right. fulfill and that need. I would have also liked more of her. I would have liked more of it as a, like, like a core four. Yeah. That's what I would have really yes. liked to have seen because she could have brought a really cool quality to that group. Yeah. If it was the four of them in book seven, Ron leaving would have been not much more dynamic. Yeah. I don't know. Would she have gone and got him? Or would she like, no, would she have I don't think him? so. She or... would have been like, you're being a fucking idiot. Well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> there's that. Definitely that. And then, oh, and imagine her talking to Hermione. Like, I don't think that she's the type that would be commiserating over that. No. She'd be looking at Hermione like, get your shit together. <laughs> I mean, He's Ron an leaving idiot. is Ron's fault because he. I, oh, absolutely. Horcrux, right? And being an idiot. Yeah, it. Anyway, oh, we will get to that book in about six years. Yep. So <laughs> the one thing I want to say is that when Tom got to, I think we do get the very first breadcrumb, I think, of that character of Ginny, of what she turns into, of being like awesome book Ginny, is her realizing at 11 years old, oh, this diary is like she put the, it together and realized like, yeah. get rid of this diary people will be safe and she like she yes. almost she basically words then she tried to flush it down a toilet <laughs> well okay no i think her i think her method of trying to get rid of it like great plan like get rid of it in whatever way mm -hmm. like there's probably a better way to do it besides flushing it down you the think <laughs> my problem is when she finds out that harry has it and then steals it back and then starts yeah. writing in it again just throw it away throw yeah, it in the fire I, do something like just like lock it in a box yeah that like, that doesn't make any sense to me that feels almost plot holish to me yeah and it feels to the way the only way i can come to grips with that is because she had already written in it so much tom had the connection with her and she only needed its presence mm. she didn't actually have to pick up a quill i almost said pen uh, but, they but doesn't don't have but doesn't Tom say like oh like I was so disappointed when I found like Ginny writing to me again and not you? Oh he yeah, that? maybe he did say it that way. I get yeah I don't know. That's you're right. Mm. So she sucks is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, eleven year old I mean, Ginny sucks. She, she's still coming into her own, but like she yeah. is eleven. She's allowed yeah. to pass. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah that part doesn't make any sense because I can get I can get over the fact that she didn't run and tell an adult. Yes, because YA. But the fact that she started writing in it again, knowing full well what is going to, like, that is, yeah. that's kind of inexcusable even at 11, which is why I always kind of took it more as, like, just having it in her possession. Mm. He could manipulate her to mm. engage again or right. do what, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's already kind of, I mean, it, he kind of suggests that he puts a little bit of his soul yes, into her. Absolutely. So he's kind of, he's kind of in there. Yeah. Uh, and that's why it takes place she doesn't she isn't just stupid and starts writing it again but anyway <laughs> um then he starts um explaining the crux or crux <laughs> the basis of my theory that i shared previously on this podcast and i um haven't gotten your take on it so i would love to hear it in the midst of this soliloquy that he's giving he says the quote killing mudbloods doesn't matter to me anymore for many months now my target has been you. 
if Ginny hadn't stolen the diary back, like you said, from Harry's dorm, Hermione wouldn't be petrified. Penelope Clearwater wouldn't be petrified. The Muggleborns of the school wouldn't have actually been in danger. The chamber wouldn't have been opened again for that purpose. Do you think so, though? Because I feel like Ginny had talked about Harry before she stole the diary back. Right, and that's he. That's why he wanted, like, he, he turned his focus. And I think when she got it back, he was like, damn it. And then went and, like, kind of did the thing again, using her to do it. But I think if Harry had kept the diary, if she hadn't taken it back, I believe that his plan wasn't to use Harry to open the Chamber of Secrets to let the Basilisk out. I think his plan was to use Harry to go down into the Chamber of Secrets. And to kill him. And be the Ginny. He wanted to use Harry's soul to come back Hmm. and leave Harry lying dead in the middle of the chamber. Because, yeah, and that makes sense because, like, it, it seems like his overarching feeling in regarding to Harry was curiosity. Yeah. Because his 16-year-old self, 17-year-old self doesn't actually know what his future holds, right? He's learned it all from Ginny. Yeah. And is like, oh, who's this Harry Potter dude that defeats yeah. me twice? Right. Like, right. how is that possible? I think he wanted to bring Harry yeah. down here on his own, get those answers and use Harry as his vessel back to life. Right. And thus succeeding where his much older self failed. Failed. Yeah. Interesting. You also have to think that, and this is a sentence that I never thought that I would say out loud. Thinking from the mind of Tom Riddle Mm -hmm. for a second, this has got to be super weird for him. (laughs) Yeah. Like let's, Come on, let's show some sympathy for the Tom Riddle. He's the 16-year-old version of himself, and he's got to be wondering, why the hell was I trying to kill this baby? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And why the hell couldn't I? (laughs) Right, because those are answers that Ginny doesn't have. (gasps) No, no, not at all. She has, yeah. And he's got to be like, what do you mean? I was trying to kill a baby (laughs) and I failed? What? And I think that's why his his curiosity is like eating at him. Like, I feel like he has really, his plan, like, regardless of like, if his plan was to get Harry down there or not, he has Judy now. Harry's down there now, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he has a feeling that you know, if he takes Ginny, Harry Potter will end up because down there because Harry Potter saves people. That's what he does. Um, And I think that's why he doesn't just like murder him straight out. Like he needs this information because he's like, where did I go wrong? I need to know exactly what happened. And he's comforted by the fact that Harry won by chance instead of by force. Right. Yeah. Um, It's not that, like, he takes comfort in the fact that, like, oh, this, you know, child didn't overpower me. It's not something I did wrong. He just got lucky. Exactly. But I also feel like in this chapter, we see two instances of Voldemort's short-sightedness with him not realizing that the love charm would save Harry, Mm -hmm. right? He just, like, didn't even think about that. And... 
after Harry defeats the Basilisk, he forgets that <laughs> Phoenix Tears can heal wounds like everyone forgot that everyone forgot that which is why he had to remember out loud so that all harry (laughs) harry forgot he forgot we forgot as readers (laughs) nobody nobody remembered that we needed that to be like oh yeah it makes sense does anybody listen to dumbledore come on (laughs) so like it's very much like i feel like a situation in which you know Voldemort can come up with these like brilliant, powerful plans that like work to a point, but like these are very important things that I feel like as a powerful wizard, he should know. And like his short sightedness is always going to be his downfall. Like we see that throughout the series. Yeah, right? it all, yeah, it ultimately like, and I think what I've heard people, um, like the words that I've heard people use are his hubris mm-hmm. are ultimately his downfall. Um, Cause yeah. he does, he does it again with house elves. He does, you know, it's a, yeah. and it's always just because he doesn't give enough thought to the things that he deems not important. Yeah. If he doesn't think a house elf is important enough, he sure as hell doesn't think a bird is. Yeah. And yeah, he doesn't think that love is he he literally can't understand the concept of love yeah so he doesn't think of like a love charm going against his killing curse although he's really quick in this chapter to accept and be like oh yeah of course i should have known that and it's like should you yeah like if we're supposed to believe that you literally can't grasp the concept of love i think he like he can't grasp the concept of it but i think like if someone were to be it's probably magic that he has heard of happening before right like and he like he's like oh he has right yeah we know and here's here's what's fun um because he and this this is actually like inconsistencies with the with the tom riddle character that is kind of fascinating and i can't wait to dig into it more because half-blood prince is my favorite book it's Mm -hmm. and it's not even close for me um but in that uh, conversation with Dumbledore, where Dumbledore is talking about his kind of magic and and Tom Riddle kind of like throws it back in his face. Oh, are you going to talk about love again, Dumbledore? Love. You're always so harping on love. And it's like, when did he start that? Because his 16-year-old self knew about love mm. charms and how powerful they could be. The right. We get it reiterated again in him asking Dumbledore for a job that he knows he's not going to get so that he can hide a horcrux. And then he still, still doesn't like grasp the concept when Mm -hmm. a mother is sacrificing herself sprawled out in front of her own child, that it's a possibility that it might be a thing. I don't know. Just feels a little inconsistent there, Tom, but you went somewhere that I, um, somewhere that I plan to go. So after we do the anagram thing, um, because we totally realize that Tom is actually just a total dork, <laughs> came up with his own nickname out of an anagram of his real name. <laughs> we have to we have to get this like, I'm the greatest sorcerer in the world. And Harry's like, eh, not really. <laughs> Harry's all sassy about it. Sorry to disappoint you and all, but yeah. Dumbledore is his head wizard on the cobble street. Yeah. You couldn't kill a baby. Uh, and so then we get theme music, right? 
da, 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 da. it's Fox the Phoenix and brought a hat. And Riddle mocks this situation. And then again, short sightedness. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and then yeah, we have the we have the quote that you talked about where he's like, Oh, there's nothing special about you. There's nothing special about you after all. Mm-hmm. And that's something that is super like powerful, I think, because it's kind of very true. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, it, yeah. Harry is in the position he is in by chance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, he and here's the like when I say that there's nothing special about Harry and he's kind of average. He's kind of he's the hero that is never even in the same like ballpark mm-hmm. magically in in power wise or anything as like the Dumbledores, the Voldemorts, anyone in the Order of Phoenix. Like yep. we joked that he only ever learns two spells. Like it's tongue in cheek, obviously, but mm-hmm. the only things special about him are actually in his like in his character and in his circumstances. It's mm-hmm. not it with his magic. Yeah, and. And I think that that's like Tom kind of having a little kind of a little divination moment in part of this passage, too, because he starts talking about the strange likenesses between the two of them. Yeah. And he's speaking straight to why his older self chose Harry over Neville when he heard that part of the prophecy. Mm. And Dumbledore talks about this when he finally shares some of this information with Harry. Voldemort didn't choose the pure blood as his biggest threat he chose the one that looked most like himself and he's like unknowingly foreshadowing the connection of the two of them. It's kind of crazy because he also sort of shaped Harry to look like himself. Hmm. When Voldemort chose Harry, the only thing they had in common was being half blood and having brown hair. (laughs) (laughs) Voldemort made him an orphan, which resulted in him living with muggles. Mm-hmm. He transferred the power of Parseltongue over to him through the unintended Horcrux. This is the prophecy, like verbatim. Mm. Voldemort marked and created his equal and like his reflection. It's almost like his 16 year old version is discovering the ultimate downfall of his 70 year old self. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. Kind of yeah. crazy. Also, side note. For someone who thinks he's the most special person ever and operates, like, all on his own, he is completely obsessed with Salazar Slytherin. (laughs) (laughs) I did it. I actually counted at least eight times he said Slytherin, Slytherin, Slytherin during this, like, multi-page interaction that's happening. (laughs) He's like an obsessed Harry Potter fan that forces Harry Potter references into every conversation not about Harry (laughs) Potter. And then starts a Harry Potter podcast to talk about oh, Harry me? Potter. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a nerd. Anyways, I feel like you kind of have to be a little bit of a nerd if your goal is to become the most powerful wizard on Earth. Yeah, I mean, how how far off is the reality that like Percy would have been the next incarnation? <laughs> he obviously has his redemption. He. I don't know if Percy like goes after that kind of power, but yeah, I mean, it's he's kind of like the evil version of Percy. Like, yeah, like this is also like leads us into like the Percy 
should have been a Slytherin and on a Gryffindor conversation. He's much more Slytherin than he is a Gryffindor. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, he's also more pompous. So the thing about the thing that Percy doesn't have in this weird little reflection thing that we're doing is charm. Facts, big facts. But like, okay, he couldn't charm a bracelet. No, but he also has a girlfriend who, from what we can tell, is just as pompous and annoying as he is. Yeah. So I guess he did. I don't know. And we only get. I that guess from he like charmed one... her in in their own weird way. Yeah. I mean, there's some there's someone for everyone, even if yes. it's a goat. There you go, Aberforth. But like, because we only get like one passage with her, right? And she's being super like indignatious that oh my gosh, these Slytherin boys asked me a question in the mm. hallway. Like, how dare they? <laughs> <laughs> All right. No wonder you're doing Percy. Good lord, you are perfect for each other. Anyway. Um, where was I going with that? There was somewhere I thought that that was gonna go. Anyway, uh, too let's much flu just... powder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe the two of them have been flu powdering and gilly weeding it up, and we just don't see it. They really know how to let loose. <laughs> it's all just a facade, so they can shine their prefect badges together. That's probably a weird action. Anyway, <laughs> let's get to some action and not. Percy and Penelope's enough talking and monologuing Tom calls for the basilisk and Fox goes into badass bird mode flying around the snake and he's seemingly like a distraction at first and we're like what the heck is going on and then he like plunges and he gouges the basilisk eyes out and there's blood everywhere just like in all children's books and I came to the realization this morning that I would love to read the Harry Potter series that was written for adults because yeah i like give us all the crazy messed up stuff give us the stuff that you like hint towards a little bit without softening it for the children reading this yeah. harry potter rated r make that happen that should be a thing maybe yep. that's the new kind of, for the please please do not make a cursed child movie give us that instead give us that yeah. give us a Give us a TV series on HBO Max that's like rated MA and like make it geared towards adults. Give us all, make it Game of Thrones and Harry Potter. That is as much as I know about Game of Thrones. I've literally not seen a second, but. <laughs> oh, Lord. Maybe that'll be the next thing I do on the podcast. I think that needs to be the next thing you do on the podcast. I'm actually toying with that. I am toying with the idea of, because I had a plan. I really did. I had a plan of doing things that were that I am familiar that I came around to late but was ended up loving you know what I mean? mm -hmm. and becoming like really really into like Harry Potter and there are a few other yeah. things that would fall into that category I also think it could be really fun to do this on something I've literally never read or watched mm -hmm. and just like go through be the idiot that's like making poking fun at things that's like also trying to make off-the-wall predictions that are always going to be wrong, making fun of myself the whole time. Like, maybe I should do that. Yeah. Maybe I should do that. I might need a co-host to, like, keep me... <laughs> <laughs> to, to lead me astray the way yeah. that uh, that format should go. Anyways, um, there's blood everywhere. Everywhere. The Basilisk is now blind, and that's super helpful. Uh, and yeah. the Sorting Hat ends up in Harry's arms... And he does the only logical thing that a 12-year-old can do when facing a gigantic murder stake. He puts the hat on his head and begs for help. 
and I'm imagining this like it's described when they're being sorted into their houses, how it like, just like, like covers yeah. their face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, all the way t- <laughs> he just like pulled the hat over my eyes yeah. and it's not actually happening. Help me, please. Yeah. And so he gets a concussion. Not really. Um, I feel like there was a better way to give Harry the sword than to have it literally slam on his head and almost <laughs> knock him out during this very pivotal moment. But it's sure. very, very lucky because he doesn't have a wand. And if he did, he doesn't know any magic. You can't expel <laughs> your arm as a snake. No, so, you can. <laughs> but a sword is pretty self-explanatory, even for the dumbest 12-year-old. And he ends up stabbing the basilisk in the roof of its mouth, up through its skull. Let me remind you that this is a kid's book. And he kills <laughs> the snake and ends up with a souvenir. A fang in his arm that later went in Bill Weasley's ear. Uh, he, <laughs> he, he pulls it out and here comes Fox again. The whole time, through this whole thing, Memory Tom has been giving like commentary and play-by-play. <laughs> on the side because he's still a memory and he can't really do anything but yet he can hold harry's wand but he can't use it or like do anything do you understand the logistics here because i don't (laughs) it's a good point i mean it seems like he has enough strength for certain things but not others right he probably wouldn't be able to use his magic and like until after the whole process was complete, right? And Ginny was, like, fully dead, and then he was like, great, like, I have a real body now. But um, he's at least, like, um... He's, like, he's three quarters like of the way there. Yeah, he, no. he can actually, like, touch things. Yes. Apparently. So he couldn't just go strangle Harry, but he can hold his one. I don't know. what. Well... And how does Harry fight back in that scenario? What can Harry do to Tom? I don't but know. Wouldn't it be a similar situation as Peeves? The first one? Like can can memory Tom touch Harry at this point? Well, that's the thing. That's that's where it's weird. Oh, you mean literally can Voldemort Tom like touch Harry? Ooh. Well, like if if his plan worked and he came back to life by like killing Ginny, right? Can, yes. Would he be able to strangle Harry in the Chamber of Secrets? I'm betting not. Yeah. Ooh. So here's the thing with the love charm that that I've always this is the this is the way that it's made sense to me. So the way that I've subscribed to it because there have yeah. also been some people in the fandom that have been like, well, Harry's just invincible. His mother died for him, so nobody can kill him. And I'm like, I've literally That's never, awesome. never, <laughs> in, it, yeah, I've never interpreted it that way. I've only no. interpreted that as Voldemort can't. Correct. Typically, Voldemort. Yes. Is memory Tom Riddle bound by the same set of rules? Because that shard of soul has been separated long before From everything else. that yeah. charm was put in place on the other. Is it only the one shard of soul that is in the like existing present day, well, currently vapor version of Voldemort yeah. that c- can't kill Harry? But we don't know. Memory. T- mm-hmm. Well, this seems like a leaky con panel. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> that seems like a thing that should happen. Um, probably should be led by somebody smarter than me because I can't <laughs> wrap my head around it. Um, but Fox saves Harry's life again because his tears have healing powers. And Tom has to keep us dumbass readers up to speed on that. Uh, and it's really funny because he's like, he's like very taunting in this. And like you said, 
his hubris is like he's look the stupid birds crying for you <laughs> yeah like <laughs> and he's like oh shit i forgot about that too like laugh and it, yeah and then he's like yeah i forgot crap get away from it. he's trying to shoo the bird because he still can't do anything apparently yeah but hold a wand uh anyway i think of this i just another side tangent because i'm full of them i think of this like the crab scene in moana did you ever see that i never saw moana ah there's this giant crab and he's like you can't run from me oh yes you can you keep surprising <laughs> me <laughs> and i'm like it's tom riddle he's like ah you're gonna die oh wait crap <laughs> shit bird. i failed again <laughs> yeah shoot I, you keep surprising me stupid bird go yeah okay anyway so then because fox knows everything that's going on uh literally all-knowing as dumbledore brings harry the diary because again harry needs the answers dropped in his lap before he knows what to do and without thinking he just stabs the book with the basilisk fang and there's that like the instinct finally kicking in <laughs> right right and there's that like there's that cartoon moment where like the two pause and look at each other <laughs> And here's the thing, back to the, to the logistics question, Tom had Harry's wand and he had it pointed at Harry. He was going to do something. He was going to use it and then stopped and realized like, oh, uh-oh, Wiley Coyote <laughs> yeah. about to fall over a cliff and then ink blood everywhere because again, mm -hmm. this is a kid's book and it only makes sense to have spewed. It, it's a murder scene. Literally, Harry just murdered a Horcrux. And yep. Poof, Tom is gone. One down. Yeah, one down. Horcrux count. <laughs> uh, and after he just nonchalantly starts collecting his stuff afterwards, you know, oh, let me grab my wand, the sorting hat, the sword. Ginny groans, and Harry completely remembers she's there. Uh, but quickly, quickly, before we before we do this, I didn't have it in my notes to talk about this, but it is a thing. It's out there. I've seen it a million times because the same meme goes around on. Harry Potter social media 67 times and then a 68th. I won't do it. I won't do the <laughs> next. The Basilisk Fang in Harry's arm. Yeah. There are people who ask, why did that not kill the Horcrux inside of Harry? It didn't spread far enough. Okay. You were pretty quick on the up. So you like, you've clearly heard it. You have the rationalization. You are. I, You're there. With I, I think of it more. Have you watched The Walking Dead? Nope. Okay. That, okay. That Maybe that should be another, <laughs> another podcast <laughs> video for you. There are some characters that like when they get bitten by a zombie, if it's mm -hmm. like on their leg or on their arm, if they are quick enough, they can chop off their arm or that part of their leg and they will survive and not turn into a zombie. Assuming That's they don't bleed how... to death. Yeah. Well, yes. Um. <laughs> Sorry, so, I haven't seen it. I shouldn't. I shouldn't start this already. The podcast has begun. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of how I think of it. Of like, you know, if you're quick enough, like before the zombie virus like spreads to the rest of your body, like you can save yourself. I think because it's pretty immediate, right? Like Harry stabs the basilisk. He like pulls it out, and like Fox seems to come like right over. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's on it. Not... I don't like it may be spread up to his bicep. Like I think that's why the Horcrux was not destroyed. Okay. Okay. I like the logic behind that. Like I like how you 
think that through. It's definitely not like the movie where like no. he pulls it out and then he kills the diary and then he's just yeah. like kind of sitting there sweating and it's like waiting yeah. to die and yeah. talking to Ginny like and petting Fox like, oh, you were so good. Good boy. Uh, it's okay. I'm just going to die here now. That's not how it actually goes down. It is a much quicker process. So I could see the yeah. spreading thing, much like Dumbledore's hand. Yeah. Um, I always, I always kind of took it at a little bit more face value of the, for the Horcrux to die, the vessel has to be destroyed beyond repair. Mm. And so since Harry didn't die, neither did the Horcrux. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I think both, I, both of those can be true. For he, sure. And then you get the thing where Harry comes back to life, but the Horcrux actually dies later. Um, but luckily, that's going to be 12 years from now on this podcast, <laughs> so I don't have to go down that rabbit hole yet. I like what, for that thing's purpose, I like what you've said much better. Okay. <laughs> uh, that was an unplanned um, detour. So now Ginny's waking up, um, and her first thoughts are to go into total, like, confession mode she's not even like she doesn't even stop to take in her, her surroundings at all she's just like harry i did I'm, like, I'm gonna get expelled and my parents are gonna be mad at me kid you almost died like seriously Poor you Jenny. Were, she's under so much pressure <laughs> like you are literally like you were dead you were laying there dead and you are not dead and your first <laughs> thought is like oh my gosh I mean, my mom's gonna be so <laughs> this is why her and hermione become such good friends before yeah. the series is over because their first thoughts in the face of death is expulsion. Jeez. <laughs> um, they make their way back to Ron. Ron's as confused as usual, but at least in the books, he's competent and actually useful. Uh, I know, but book and, Ron and he, was the Ron we deserved. <laughs> right. And he's not nearly as confused as Lockhart, who has no memory at all. Idiot. Uh, and I imagine a very, very bruised shin by now because I think every 30 seconds, <laughs> Ron like, is kicking him in the shin. And Lockhart is forgotten every time. He's just like, wait, what? Why is this bruised? Ow! Uh, sorry, he's not Dory. <laughs> We're reminded that Fox is a cheat code and he flies them all back up the pipes because they also yep. have immense strength. Because yes. Much like the car that came to life when a tree beat the shit out of it, we <laughs> needed to make sure that we planted something in these books to save our dumbass little heroes because so that they, they don't can't just rot away themselves. down there. Oh, I love these books. Um, They're the best. <laughs> they get back to Myrtle's bathroom. She's sad that Harry didn't die. Because apparently. She's been on Zillow doing toilet shopping for their <laughs> new starter home. <laughs> and, uh, and they end up just f blindly following Fox into Prophet McGee's office. Yep. And that's it. That's the chapter. That is the chapter. Did we miss anything? I don't think so. Okay. I'm so glad. Let's do house <laughs> points. House points. House points. In true Hogwarts fashion, these points are completely subjective with no oversight and fully at my discretion. This week, I'm giving house points to Fox for getting all the points because he's the literal hero of this book. 150 points. Harry can also have 50 because he did literally just stab a basilisk in the face and killed a horcrux. Even if he needed all the help 
all the, all help. the help. All, all the help to get there. <laughs> My goodness. Do you want to give points to anyone? Um, I'm going to give Fox another 100 points. Um, and I'm going to give Ginny 25 because she deserves it. And I'm going to take away a thousand from Voldemort for being stupid and <laughs> not just being evil, but also just being stupid. Like these, your plan could have worked if only <laughs> you thought ahead just a little bit. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. And I'm, I'm tacking on a hundred specifically to memory Tom uh, for being mm -hmm. the evil villain. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and take 10 of Harry's back for being so incredibly slow to realize that Tom was the evil villain during this multi-page yeah. villain <laughs> diet. Like, oh my gosh, he's beating you over the head with it. Yeah. And I'm beating myself over the head with the book. Please, please plug anything, anything at all that you would like before we get out of here. Yeah, find me on First Years. Um pretty much anywhere you can listen to podcasts is where I'm at. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at first years pod. And you can find me um, on TikTok at Verita Sarum, V-E-R-I-T-A-S-A-R-A-H-M. Um, my TikTok is when I talk about Harry Potter on TikTok, it's full of spoilers, but the podcast Instagram will always be spoiler free. And first years episodes are always spoiler free. And if it's not a spoiler-free episode, I make that very clear in the beginning so that you won't <laughs> accidentally spoil yourself. Um, and then, yeah, that's where you can find me. I highly recommend, and we'll put links to the things in the description of this episode. Um, there will also be a link to the new private Facebook group that's just for listeners and guests of this podcast. I would love to have you there to talk to. So you might ask me, What's in it for you? Well, friends, you will have direct access to and a communication line, essentially, to me, to talk Potter and theories, to talk about the podcast. Tell me why I'm an idiot. Tell me why I'm not, please. And engage with other Potterheads that listen to this very show as well. So, what's in it for me? I'll have friends to talk about Harry Potter with and who actually talk back. Like I said, a link in the description. Aside from that, Sarah, new co-host. <laughs> this is so fun. <laughs> so much fun. I will catch every time. <laughs> I will catch everyone on the next episode of the Blade of Binge podcast. Sarah, would you please, please do the honors of taking us away with our closing reading? Fox was leading the way, glowing gold along the corridor. They strode after him and moments later found themselves outside Professor McGonagall's office. Harry knocked and pushed the door open. It's like Fox has all the answers. Literally. At least in this he book. Was, he's probably like programmed. Dumbledore just planted some memories in Fox. He just like so hears he everything in Dumbledore's office, you know? As he's talking to himself in the portraits. Fox should have been in the battle. The final battle. Big facts. Big facts. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I can't wait to get to <laughs> that, to talk about that again. <laughs>